Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Yeah, we're going to start a new series called Death to Life, and today we're talking about the new life. In each one of these chapters, we're going to just kind of do a flyover on chapter Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 over the next four weeks. And there's a story there. It's a part of a larger story, part of a larger story, all that's happening. And I want to encourage you guys right now, just here at the beginning, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today. So, just Lord, would you just help us to put on our thinking caps here, to be led by your Spirit, open our eyes up, and help us to see the truth of your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's good for us. It's good for our minds, our souls, uh, all that we are to think deeply and to respond with our whole hearts to the Lord. Um, I want to start today with an observation and then a question. The observation is we're all storytellers. Every single one of us, we tell stories, not like untrue stories, like storytellers, but like story. We think in terms of story. You know what I mean? Like I went over there and I did that and then I came back and there's some other people there and then, whoa, something happened and it was like a little plot thing, but then got out of that situation and now I'm here and everyone's going to live happily ever after, except for there's going to be some other twists in the plot along the way and that's kind of the way life goes, right? So we're storytellers. And here's a great question. When did your story begin? And just your specific story, just your biological story. It had a beginning point, right? You were born, right? It was like, wow, it's already blowing my mind. It's going to get worse, <laughs> I promise, today. But it started somewhere. It started for all of us. And so what did you have to do with that? Just You're going to tell your story, and I was born, man, it was incredible what all I had to do. I mean, I was just, I mean, it's a gift, right? Well, our, our life started with a gift. Before we ever did anything, it's a gift. Life is a gift. A gift from God. A gift, there's some other stuff going on. Just, I don't know how old everybody is, but there's some other stuff going on in that scenario, biologically. Dad and a mom. And, uh, but that's a gift, right? There's snickering going on right now. Just hang with me here. Um, but it's a gift. It's all life is a gift. And our story starts because, because God did something. Because our parents did something. And we get brought into a story that involves a family or an adoption or, you know, some, it could be a broken story, but it's a story. And it's a part of a larger story. Our ancestors, and that's a part of a larger story. And it's ultimately a part of the story of God. Everybody track in there. That's how we understand that as Jesus followers. And we're going to come back to that. But the burden in this series is to see that we've been given life. We've been taken from death to life. And that's the Gospel. It's the good news. And the Gospel is not just the truncated Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised on the third day. It's yes, it's that, but it's also a part of this larger story. And that's what's going on in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Today's the new life in Romans 5. Next week is the baptized life. Romans 6. Romans 7 is the freedom life. And Romans 8 is the adopted life. 
And we're going to finish on November 11th with, with the adopted life. And I want to just encourage you guys right now, we're going to have a big baptism day on November 11th. And I, I'm praying it's a big baptism day. I don't know who that's going to be just yet. But if, if you've not been baptized in water, it's, it's part of how we see that we're united with Christ in His death and in His life. And so mark your calendar, November 11th. Get your parents here, or your friends, or whoever you want to have. If you've not been baptized in water and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we want everybody to follow this basic step of following Jesus. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the triune name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's where that's kind of where we're going. And these chapters, 5, 6, 7, and 8, they tell the story of God's love and God's grace and God's hope and God's gift of life. All of that is happening there and that He is for us. He's going to start the whole thing off and say, He's for us. And you run through 5, 6, 7, and 8 and you see at the end of it, He's for us. He wants us to identify with Him. He wants us to work through the, the struggles of life. You know, there's struggles out there. Hashtag struggle bus. That's what I found out. There's a struggle bus out there and sometimes we just get on that thing and work with me. So, but then there's victory, right? We've been adopted into, we got a new law, the law of the spirit of life that's just absolutely reoriented us and we've been given victory. And there's nothing, 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 say with me, nothing, 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 nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Height, depth, angels, demons, nothing in all of life. So it's what God has done for us. And I'm, I'm admittedly, I'm, I'm emphasizing the God part today. The new life that, that we can't engineer that God gives. So there, there's, and there's other things to say. I figured out in first service I needed to say, I'm not saying everything that can be said about everything in this message. I felt a little rushed. So I'm going to go ahead and say that disclaimer. But I'm going to try to get as much out as is necessary for this message. And so Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. 5 is a part of that larger story of 5, 6, 7, 8. And 5, 6, 7, and 8 is a part of the larger story of the letter to the Romans. That makes sense, doesn't it? So if you look at the beginning of the different letters in the New Testament, a lot of times you can see something in the beginning and something in the end that helps you understand what the whole thing's about. So let's read a few verses at the beginning and the end. Turn to Romans 1, verse 1. A little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. And um, I'm going to go ahead and say it, what you're looking for. You're looking for the obedience that comes from faith and the revelation of God. Okay, that's a little secret. So look for that. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. This good news. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed to be the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Just feel like I need to say that with, yeah. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Him we've received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for His name's sake. And you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God 
and called to be His holy people. And he goes on and says, I can't wait to get there. He hadn't been there ever at this point. He's never been to Rome, but he's going to get there. And he eventually does. Eventually dies there, tradition says. And he says, I want to get there and I want to, I want to preach uh, the gospel some more. I want to impart spiritual gifts. And, but I, I do think it's interesting and worth noting for us that Paul is speaking to them. He's called them holy people, saints, and some of the other translations. And he says, I can't wait to get there so I can preach the gospel to you. Isn't that interesting? It's like, anybody need to hear the gospel over and over and over and over? Like seven or eight of us. And, and, and we need to hear it because it's the good news. It's about what God really has done. And I leak. I am in the atmosphere of darkness just all the time. Seeds are being sown into my mind that aren't the seeds of God. And so I need to immerse myself in the truth of God so that my mind will be renewed and my heart will be renewed. And so he goes on, he says, I'm obligated to Greeks and to non-Greeks, to the wise and the foolish, verse 17. Excuse me, verse 15. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So salvation is this, is this broad, uh, it's not just like we're going to heaven one day, but it's, it's healing and deliverance and hope and life and freedom. And purpose and it, that it, salvation is like saved into something wonderful. And it's like heaven and eternal life starts being experienced in and through us right now. That just goes on and on and on. And so verse 17, for in this gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So. If you got something to mark your Bible with, underline the righteousness of God is revealed. And that's, that's a really important phrase in Paul. And what he's alluding to there, it's not just something that we're given, it's specifically uh, the righteousness of God. Dikaiosune theu is the, the Greek phrase. It's the righteousness of God. And it's what God has done to show Himself faithful to His covenant promise. So he made some promises to Abraham. And one of the things I'm going to hit in just a second is I want us to see how very Jew and Gentile this letter is. It's written to Jews and Gentiles. He's trying to navigate things in a way that keeps them all together. And so he refers to this story. It's the story of God. God made a promise to Abraham and that promise is still good. It's a good promise. And he's going to keep his promise and that faithfulness to his covenant promise is what Paul calls the righteousness of God. He made a promise. He's going to keep it. Now, covenant is a different idea than contract. Covenant is I make this promise and whether you do it or not, I'm going to keep the promise. I, there are so many songs we sung this morning in worship that are like this message. And we didn't work that out, but it's pretty awesome. A contract, on the other hand, is like you we draw up some papers and you agree to do some stuff, I agree to do some stuff. If you violate that, then the contract's null and void. But God comes up with a covenant that He's going to bless all the nations of the earth and He encourages the Israelites. He said, choose life. Don't choose death. 
But even if you do, I'm going to come and make things right. And that is the righteousness of God. And it is us putting our faith in God's righteousness, in the righteous one. The righteous will live by faith. Well, that's actually that's a quote from Habakkuk 2.4. Great calamity was about to come on the Israelites. And then Habakkuk says, he makes this promise. It's a messianic promise about the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he says, the one who lives by the righteous one will be the one who lives by the, the faith, faithfulness in God, God's promises and God's trust. And that's exactly what Jesus does. We put our faith. Uh, yes, it's about our faith, but it's about our faith in the faithfulness of God. That makes sense. It's, a, it's about faith in what God has done. God's done it. And it puts the it puts the weight on God and his faithfulness rather than how much do I believe? And that's a big deal because, you know, if there is a way of understanding that phrase where it puts the the onus on us to believe enough. Did you believe it's like going to the state fair and you hit that little thing, you know, and it moves the deal up the up the thing. And uh, uh, I need some more words, um, but it's it's a thing at the state fair. I haven't done it. It's a thing at the state fair. I did it back at Astroworld when I was a kid. I take that back in the little carnival area. And you hit that, and it comes up a little bit. And imagine faith as that thing that's rising up. And you've ever heard the phrase "saving faith," like saving faith. And so it's not saving faith. It's not down here at the bottom, not down like a quarter or a third, but saving faith. It must be up somewhere in the middle or something, because it's, everybody can do it, but it's not, if somebody didn't believe quite enough, they got to hit it a little harder and have saving faith. Okay, so I'm just, uh, just, just want to think, so the, the emphasis instead of on how much do I believe, in, in an ever-increasing list of believing the right things, how about instead of that, we're going to believe that God is faithful. And that God has done something that no one on planet Earth could do. We get to participate in it, and we ultimately get to respond to it. And and even I'm I'm saying this because this obedience of faith thing, like that sounds really legalistic unless God has done so much that I'm free to walk in the obedience of faith. Okay? So you get to the end of the book, and he highlights the exact same things again, Romans 16. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. Now to Him who is able to establish you in accordance with My Gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation, apocalypto, as we just talked about the righteousness of God is revealed, apocalypto. It's a revelation. It was something that was hidden but is now disclosed. was hidden but now made known. That's the idea there. The revelation of the mystery hidden for ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so that's kind of the the beginning and the end there. The keys are the gospel, the righteousness of God. The obedience that comes from faith. All those things are, are big players there, but it's about God's faithfulness. And I had mentioned the Jews and the Gentiles a, a moment ago, and I want to touch on that again 
Because Romans is written into an interesting context. And if you get what I'm about to say, it's really, really going to help you understand Romans. So, context. 49 AD, Claudius, the emperor, signs an edict that evicts all of the Jews from Rome. There had been some uprisings and stuff. And so he writes, we can't even imagine something like that, but he writes an edict that evicts all of the Jews from Rome. And it's, I read some other historians, a first century historian named Suetonius, and confirms this stuff. It's, it's also written about in Acts chapter 18, verse 2, um, Aquila and Priscilla. And, uh, or that's, that's, that's how Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla because they've been kicked out by the, the eviction notice, the, the edict from Claudius. And, uh, but that's important. So they're kicked out. And then Claudius dies in 54. So about five or six years later, Claudius dies and they start trickling back in. It's 54. Romans isn't, is written in 57. So he's writing into a context where you've got Gentiles. They've been fo- uh, functioning now in house churches or whatever for some years. And then the Jewish Christians start coming back into this situation. And there's going to be some tensions, right? Are they going to meet together? Are they going to meet separately? All those kind of stuff going on. And Paul's saying, we are not letting this devolve into two separate religions. Okay, so he's saying, we're one. We're one people. And so he starts writing into this context where he's dealing with the things of the law and telling the story, but he's also dealing with Gentile stuff. And he's saying over and over again, he kind of, in one through four, he's kind of clearing the table a bit so that he can share the gospel that I'm talking about today. And basically he says, look, everybody's in the same boat. Every single person. And even though you, you're Jewish and you have all of this history and this is your story, look, everybody's in the same boat. You can't say, because I'm a Jew, I'm better than the other guys. We're all in the same boat. And uh, so that's kind of going on in 1 to 4. We're talking about the gospel in 5 through 8. In 9 through 11, it's the consequences for the Jews. And then in 12, 13, 14, 15, he's talking about how do you actually get along? How do you do the getting along? If you think about that, it's like, wow, that's really going to help me understand Romans. And even then the spreading of the gospel out to other nations. All of that is in Romans there. You guys probably weren't asking for that much this morning. Um, but there it is. And so in four, one of the ways you see this is he's like going, yes, Abraham is the father of the Jews, but he's also the father of the non-Jews. He was a pagan guy who was plucked out of Ur, you know, the just uh, he's a pagan guy, and God made some promises to him and he believed him. He's also the father of those who are circumcised. So he's the father of the uncircumcised and the father of the circumcised. And he's saying again, look, we're all together in this. Jew and Gentile together in the body of the Messiah. We make up one people. Every tribe, language, nation, tongue, background, economic differences, all that kind of stuff, we are one people together. So here's the main thing. I I know that's like a lot of stuff to say, like that's the introduction. That's the introduction. But think about all those things, how important that is. If you didn't know that Paul's writing into a situation where you got... Jews and Gentiles not getting along and he's wanting to make it all work, then wow, this suddenly becomes really important. 
And there's a righteousness from God that's revealed. Yes, it follows that storyline. But it's for all people. And everybody gets to get in on this. So here's the thing. The really good news is that God loves us and is faithful to His covenant promise. The righteousness of God. He's faithful to His covenant promise. And His grace and gift is new life in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at in these, these verses. And that, of course, it means forgiveness and peace and life and hope, strength, encouragement, and Holy Spirit power, all those kinds of things, all that goes with life in Jesus. And it's us learning how to tell a story that involves God giving us life and how we now grow up and respond to Him and walk in faith based on what God has done for us in Jesus. That makes sense? It's really uh, just, I think my burden here is that if we don't understand, like, there's a way of saying this, and I'm about to say it, and, and hopefully it stretches you in a way that where you go, can it really be that good? But until we've gone, can it really be that good? It's like we probably haven't gotten how good it is. So he finishes chapter five, and it's so good that he starts chapter six and goes, uh, well, he asks kind of a, like somebody's asking him a question. You know, well, does that mean we can just do whatever we want to do? Is it, that, is it really that good? And he's like, no, 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 no. You know, you, you died with him, and now you're alive with him. So you see, that's where it's going. And so, but right now we're going to tell the blow away part this morning. Tracking? So, Romans 5. Therefore, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, and justification is this, I, it's a, it just means that you're being declared right by somebody who's in a position to declare you right. It could mean lots of different kinds of things. Somebody gets out of prison and, and they say, you're now free to go get out of prison. That's being justified. Okay? You, you're, you were guilty, but now you're innocent. You're, you've been justified. You've been placed in this, in this right standing place. You've been justified through faith. That's our faith, but it's also the faithfulness of God, what I've been referring to earlier. And you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us, doesn't put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given to us. So, when you're telling the story, when you're telling your you start with God. That's, God's the starting place in the story, right? In the beginning, God. God is for us. God loves us. Before the creation of the world, God had a plan to bring us into His family. You start with God. And that's what's going on here. Paul's starting with what God has done on our behalf. But he goes on then. We get involved in the story, right? What's our part? <laughs> Driving the bus in a ditch. Uh, doing dumb stuff. Let's read about it. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? 
For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through the life, through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received reconciliation. Amen. So now we get to the part of the story, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're in this thing. And our situation is, what do we contribute? Uh, let's see, we're powerless, ungodly, sinners, enemies. In our minds, in our thinking, God's somebody to hide from. God's somebody to run and hide in the bushes. For. We're, we're, we don't think right thoughts. And we need God's light to shine in our hearts in order to dispel the darkness and see the truth. So that's our situation. One of the things I love about these next couple paragraphs too is it's got the Trinity there. And, and the thing that will help us in thinking about the triune love of God is to see that Jesus is the Son who reveals the Father in their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. And where that helps us is to think right when we read uh, just to, to understand how God loves us and wants to bring us into that circle. It'll help us to understand words like wrath. It'll help us to understand what's going on in the cross to where we don't go, you know, there's God over here, the Father, and He's really ticked off and angry at everybody. But in steps Jesus, the Son, who's for us. And He kind of gets God the Father to start to love us again. But this passage says the Holy Spirit's been given to us to show us the love of God. And God demonstrates His own love for us, us in this. God does this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All God is, is participating in our full salvation together. Okay? Just, and, and there's one mind in God. So God's got, He's not multiple, this God over here and this God, it's, one mind in God. And Jesus says that explicitly over and over and over again. All you see me doing is what the Father's doing. Period. To see Jesus is to see the Father. By tracking. I know it's, so there's some deep thoughts here. So, and even just one, one quick comment on the, on the wrath is, is, so if Jesus reveals God as Father, it's really important that we understand whatever's going on with wrath as something that like that would be in the context or the framework of a God who's a Father who loves us. So, looking at Jordan, I mean, Chris and Tiffany, they're going to love Jordan in a way that's just awesome. That's what we do as parents. We got, just got to see Matthew and Julia this weekend. Um, they, our son lives in Austin. And his wife. Weird to say that. <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 uh, we love them. And, and, and if, but if they were doing something that was hurting them or making them less than human and, 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 and addi causing addiction and brokenness and pain, it would, something would rise up. Not, not love for them, but a, a no. Like, no! Don't do that. Don't do that. And that's part of how we get to understanding what this this wrath is because it's not just a one-time thing. It's like his death brought forgiveness from uh, from sin. But he goes on and says, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled through the death, how much more shall we be saved 
through his life. So it's an ongoing thing. It's not just that we trusted in Jesus when we were 12 or 15 or 20. We were baptized and now we just kind of figuring out some discipleship stuff to do and how to live. It's more than that. It's like God saved us, but He wants us to keep walking in the fullness of that life. And it's all, it's all the gospel. It's living the life is the whole, it's not just a one time thing that happened back here and I can kind of make a decision about whether or not I want to participate or not. That's why it starts with and finishes with the obedience that comes from faith. It's a life that's lived with God. And so, uh, Romans 13, verse 11, I, you know, this is one of those verses. Flash that up. Romans 13, 11. And he's, he's talking about how to live. He says, do this understanding the present time. Hours come for you to, this word the Lord's been giving us, wake up. It's time to wake up. Wake up, everybody. Wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Does that make sense? So, we believed and we're saved. But we, we keep believing because there's more of His salvation that He wants to bring in, in, in us and to change us. I'll give you some more on that in just a minute. But let's move on. Therefore, the second, second piece, we have peace with God, we have life with God through Jesus Christ. Second piece. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man, talking about Adam, death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Part of, part of what he's saying here is it's not just Jews who have a... a uh, like, Jews understand sin comes through... Uh, that that's, the knowledge of sin leads to death. Jews understand that, but he's going, look, everybody understands death. Everybody may not understand the law, yet not everybody's a Jew, but everybody understands that death is in the world. And death, what he's saying, came through sin. On that day, you eat this fruit, you'll surely die. Because all of sin, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man's one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So I know maybe that's hard to understand as we're just reading it, but just think about it like this. What he's saying is Adam sinned. Adam, and he brought sin into the world. Sin came through Adam. Everybody tracking? And really, I don't think a lot of people struggle to believe that. But what people struggle to believe is the other part. That just like Adam brought sin into the world, Jesus Christ brought righteousness into the world. And justification and life. And it's almost like it's easier for us to believe Adam could do all that 
than it is for the Son of God, Israel's God incarnate in the flesh, to come and undo what Adam did and make things right. And so, this is kind of, again, where I'm going this week is I want us to be so blown away by the good news part that we're like, wow, you know, I want to respond to that. I want to, I want to have faith in that God. I want to put my trust and my hope there. Consequently, he goes on in verse 19, 18. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for, can we say it together? All people. Just hang with me, everybody. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? Like, okay. So it's a comprehensive thing that's going on here. For just as through the disobedience, of the one man, many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace super increased. It, it increased all the more. So that just as in sin, as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay. So, like, that's a kingdom message there. Paul's getting to the kingdom. Like, this is how God's going to change the world. Grace is going to reign all over the world. Life is going to reign all over the world. We're in process. We're not there yet. But God has started something in Jesus that is spreading in us and all the people that have gone before us. It's our story. And this is how it's getting out. Let me ask you a great question. When were you saved? You already know the Lord. When were you saved? And... Just I want to just I want us to hold some things in tension here, because there's a date when we're saved, but there's also a bigger picture, and we've got to kind of hold these things. So, in one way, you know, we were saved when the Father had a plan to create the world, and He said, "I'm gonna before the creation of the world, I've chosen you to be holy and blameless and adopted through Jesus Christ into this family." And there's a very real sense that the Father did that. And so He started this whole thing with that plan. When were you saved? When the Father had that plan. But also, there's a very real sense in which Jesus Christ came. When were you saved? When Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. When were you saved? In early December 1985. I was at death's door and I had a radical encounter by the Holy Spirit with the person of Jesus Christ. And all of that became real in my own personal experience. You know, so... Buddy tracking? So, you know, I've been saved and I'm being saved and He's coming again and we will be saved. All of those things, we hold those things together and it really helps understand what God is doing that He wants all people. Like, it's God has done something for us in Jesus that's for everyone. And man, it's good news. And my hope is, my, my prayer is that we'd all be so blown away that we go, wow, I wanna, I wanna live for God. I wanna put my hope and trust in Him. And there, there really is a, like, He's done that for everyone. But everyone's still gotta respond. Everybody's got to, 
it comes to you. It comes to Zach and Deborah and all the way. It comes around to us where we need this experience of the Holy Spirit going, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God slain before the creation of the world. What are you going to do? You know, and he gives us grace to respond to him. And, you know, now we're getting into like, not everybody responds. And that's the power of love, you know, is that God gives us, even though what he's done for us is comprehensive, yet he gives us the freedom to respond to him. Is this making sense? So, we're storytellers. And we have a story. And put that slide up if you would. This is kind of what it looks it, We I use this picture a lot. Just creation to new creation. It's like the, the arc of God's story. Jesus is at the center of it. The new creation's coming. And we're these people that are trying to live life in God's forgiveness and God's freedom and God's salvation. Our salvation's nearer now than when we first believed. We're, we're drinking it in, but we're pointing to what's coming. We're signpost people pointing the way to the way things will be. And God's called us into this story. And the story is, it's, that's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. It's a good news story that you've been rescued from death, rescued from blindness, rescued from hopelessness, rescued from anxieties and fears, fear to man, fear of control by others, fear of rejection, fear of shout it out, you know, all these different things. And it's good news that God has made things right and given us peace with Him and with others through Jesus Christ. It's just like, wow. You know, and it's so much bigger than what I thought. And if I didn't say this in a way that leaves you going, can it really be that good? Then I've, I've, you know, I'm tripping up here. But it is that good. And it should make us go, wow, God, I didn't know that it was that incredible. And ultimately, we want to be people that are living not out of a legalistic trying to climb our way up into being good enough or that we judge other people in comparison with ourselves, but that we live life in the grace. Remember, it's a gift. Go back to what we talked about at the beginning. What did you do to start your life? What did you do to start your life? See, God's come when we could do nothing. And he, He's the life giver. And out of that gift, I want to live a life of faith, a life of obedience, a life like Jesus lived. Amen. Now stand up. Okay, Lord, help us to respond to you today. Just to uh, ministry team, come on up. Worship team, take just a couple minutes to do this. I want to say, God has given life to us, to you, whether you know it or not. He's given you life. And that's the good news. It's the new life. It's the graced life. It's the gifted life. And He's given us this life. And if you've not known that part of the story, you can start and enter into that today by going, God, I believe. I trust You. One thing we're going to emphasize next week is if, is baptism. Like Baptism helps us to see we're immersed in Him. Our life is in Him. Our death is in Him. And we can rise up to live a new life of joy and hope and peace. And meaning and purpose and on and on. So, Father, I just pray right now if there's anybody that has not started, had not had a real uh, encounter of the Holy Spirit to start this journey of walking with You, Jesus, and saying, Lord, You're the King. 
You're the Lord. You've done it all. I want to participate in your life. Then I just I encourage you to come and get prayer. And I also want to just also encourage anybody who say, you know, I know I'm in a story that's with Jesus, but I feel like there's some twists in my plot line. There's some twists and I'm I'm hurting or I'm going through a hard time or I need hope or I need peace. All the things that the, the Gospel promises us, God wants to give. And so, just if you need to get prayer, and just come. And Father, I pray that our story and the story of this church, the story of the church in the city, would be a story that points to You and Your honor and Your glory and the great, great goodness that is ours in the Gospel. That You are faithful. You're faithful to Your promise. And we just rejoice in that today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come get prayer. If you need to start the story, get realigned in the story, whatever your need is, come and get prayer today. In Jesus' name.